Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, send the fresh wind of your Holy Spirit this morning. Wake us up. Fan the the embers of our hearts into flame for you. God, let us experience your presence in this place. By the power of your word. And Lord, let us come to an awareness of the goodness of Jesus. Let us taste and see for ourselves. And so we just surrender this time to you, Lord. We ask that your spirit speak into our hearts and lives that we may be sent out from this place to be witnesses, to be ambassadors of the message of grace and peace that has come to us through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And in his name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Well, uh, being that uh, Easter was two Sundays ago, um, we are uh, right now uh, in the third Sunday of Easter, um, which if you're not familiar with the church calendar might sound a little strange, uh, but traditionally the church has actually celebrated Easter um, for 50 days. Um, including Easter Sunday, uh, because that's, that's how many days there are leading up to the Feast of Pentecost, uh, which is when we remember uh, the day that God uh, poured out the Holy Spirit on the apostles in the upper room, and they were sent out, and they spoke in multiple tongues. So it's, it's 50 days uh, from Easter Sunday to Pentecost, and right now we are in uh, the season of Easter. So third Sunday of Easter. Uh, we also know that Jesus remained with his disciples for 40 days, Uh, after he rose from the dead. Um, And he appeared to them multiple times throughout that period. So today, uh, we're going to be starting a six-week sermon series um, where we're going to be looking at each instance um, in the Gospel of John where Jesus appears to his disciples after his resurrection, um, eventually leading up to Jesus' ascension and then Pentecost, which are found in the book of Acts. Um, And I chose to call this series Game Changers. Uh, Because according to to Merriam-Webster, a game changer uh, is a a newly introduced element or factor that changes an existing situation or activity in a significant way. In other words, it it shows up and it changes everything, right? And in our case, the the game changer we're talking about is a person. Uh, Because in each of the stories we're going to be looking at over the next several weeks, when Jesus shows up, he changes everything, Um, And our our lesson for today is that when Jesus shows up, he shows up fear. Um, But before we jump in, I just want to acknowledge that that fear is uh, a huge topic um, that I could never hope to cover in one sermon. Um, You know, there's there's so many facets to it. You know, there's a a healthy fear um, that pretty much keeps us alive, right? Think your, your fight or flight response. Um, there, there's also a, a biblical fear of God, you know, acknowledging God's power and, and majesty. Um, also, many of us uh, likely face fears rooted in anxiety, um, you know, maybe even on a daily basis, you know, fear of, of sickness or not having enough to go around or fear caused by uh, the events happening around us. Uh, or, or maybe we uh, face fears that are uh, deeply rooted you know, maybe in past experiences that uh, still cause us pain. Uh, but bottom line, peer, uh, fear is a powerful force. Um, and today, I, I want to talk uh, about a specific type of fear. 
the fear of others in relation to our faith in God. Um, you know, if you've been a follower of Jesus for any amount of time, you likely know what it feels like to be afraid of what other people might think or say or do uh, if they knew that you're a Christian. You know, and so we might try to do things to, to blend in, you know, to appear no different than anybody else uh, for fear that being different might bring us hardship. You know what I'm talking about. You know, it's the, the choice uh, to remain silent instead of standing up for your faith. It's a choice to uh, compromise your morals uh, and, and go along with the crowd instead of conducting yourself differently. Uh, it's a choice to, to stick with what you know to be safe um, instead of stepping out in faith. And that's what the, the fear of others does, right? It's, it, it immobilizes us. It forces us into hiding. It causes us to, to kind of hedge our bets, right? Uh, and that's exactly where we find Jesus' disciples at the beginning of our passage for this morning. It was the, the evening of the first Easter Sunday. And Jesus' disciples were locked in that same upper room uh, where they had just shared the Last Supper with Jesus a few days before. And why did they lock themselves in the room? They, they were afraid. They were afraid of the Jewish leaders, the, the same Jewish leaders who had just crucified Jesus a few days earlier. You know, sure, they, they had heard the news of, of Jesus' resurrection from Mary Magdalene earlier that morning, but they weren't quite sure what to make of it yet. And, and the events of the last few days had, had left them just feeling scared, to say the least. Because in the last 72 hours, the, the disciples had watched the man they knew to be the promised king of Israel be killed at the hands of not only the Jewish authorities, but the Roman authorities as well. And if they got Jesus, there's a good chance that the authorities would come for the disciples next. And so they hid in fear. Not only that, but they, they were likely hiding in guilt as well. Because after all, most of them had deserted Jesus when he got arrested. You know, Peter had even denied Jesus three times, claiming that he didn't even know him. So by all accounts, it, it seemed as if the disciples had just utterly failed. And, and they weren't sure what else to do but to hide in fear. And then Jesus showed up. I mean, literally just showed up in the room. He didn't knock. He, he just kind of was there. Uh, he didn't ask to be invited in. He just showed up, uh, because apparently our, our resurrected bodies, which Jesus obviously has the, the first one of those, um, they don't necessarily play by the same rules of time and space that ours do, so I guess he can just do that. Um, so he just, he just shows up, um, you know, he wasn't a, a ghost, he was there physically present in body, standing amongst his disciples, um, and uh, as strange as that might sound, the cool part about this is that Jesus didn't wait until his disciples got their act together. Um, and he, he didn't wait until they went looking for him. But instead, Jesus actually came to, to them uninvited um, and entered into the midst of their fear and their failure. So that should, that should be a word of comfort to us today, right? Jesus doesn't wait for us to come to him. Sometimes he comes and he finds us and he shows up in the middle of our fear and 
our failure. And what were his first words to his disciples? Let's find out. Uh, if you got your Bibles with you, uh, go ahead and open them up to John chapter 20, verses 19 through 23. If you don't have your Bibles, you got them in your pews in front of you. I don't see a whole lot of action out there, so I'm assuming you're just going to read it on the screen. But maybe I should tell, <laughs> maybe I should tell Joe to just quit putting it on the screen and. Let's see if, see if more people pull out their Bibles. But uh, anyway, all right. So, uh, so uh, John chapter 20, verses 19 to 23. Um, and uh, Jesus' first words to his disciples when he shows up in the middle of the room. He stood among them and said, What's your problem? What the heck? You guys leave me? When I get arrested and I, I get crucified, you guys absolutely mess this one up. Is that what he says? No. No. Jesus shows up. He stands amongst his disciples and he says this. He says, peace be with you. Peace be with you. Now, this was a, a traditional Jewish greeting. All right, So it wouldn't be out of the ordinary for Jesus to greet his disciples in this manner. But I don't want us to think about it like that because this is a whole lot bigger than Jesus just saying, peace guys, what's up? Don't, don't freak out, it's just me. Or it's going to be okay, right? It's going to be okay, I'm here now. He, he wasn't just trying to, to bring comfort to his disciples. And I know this because of what happens next. Because what happens next is that Jesus shows them his hands and his side. He shows them the marks that he still bore in his body from his crucifixion and showed them in a tangible way in his body his victory over sin and death. So he shows up in the room and he says, peace be with you. Here's why I can say, peace be with you, because I have made peace on the cross. I have, I, have, I have made peace on the cross. Let me show you in my hands and in my side that I have made peace. And I believe Jesus makes peace on the cross in three different ways. He makes peace between us and God. He makes peace that we can have within ourselves of knowing that we're forgiven, that our, our past doesn't have a bearing on who we are or what we've been anymore. And then he makes peace between us and others. Right? Those are kind of the three ways that Jesus has made peace for us on the cross. So this is a whole lot bigger than, than Jesus just telling his disciples, don't worry about it, guys, I'm here now. You don't need to, to freak out. You, you know, things are going to be okay. Because quite frankly, I mean, things were really not going to be you know, okay uh, in so many words for the, the apostles moving forward. Because when they were sent out on Pentecost, they would subject themselves to hardship, to persecution. They, they'd have a target on their backs, just like Jesus had a target on his, but he was declaring peace to them in the midst of the persecution that they were going to face. Now that is peace, right? He wasn't just blowing smoke. He was declaring peace despite the hardship that not only he had faced, but the hardship that they were going to face because he secured peace on the cross. Amen? 
Now, there's power in that piece. There's no power in me just standing up here and telling you guys, guys, it's going to be fine. Your life is going to be okay. Because sometimes it's not, right? And it's in those times when life's not okay that we need to know. We need to hear from Jesus who appeared in the body to his apostles, showed them his hands and his side, and declared to them, peace be with you. And he could only do that on the other side of the cross because he had won the victory. Amen? And so he says it again, just in case they didn't hear it the first time. He says, peace be with you. Peace be with you. So that's the first thing Jesus does. He shows up and he gives his disciples peace. And then he gives them two more gifts. Or at least he prepares them to receive two more gifts. He, receives them, or he prepares them to receive the gift of purpose and the gift of power. Both of which they would receive on Pentecost. But this is Jesus in his first appearance to his disciples kind of telling them what lay ahead. So he was, he was preparing them and he was saying, look guys, this is what's going to happen. You know, this is, this, is, this is what is on the horizon for you. So he, he, after he declares peace to them, he says, verses, uh, or, or verse uh, twenty. One, he says, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So he declared to them that they were going to be sent. Just as Jesus was sent, his disciples were going to be sent. They were actually going to move from disciple to apostle. Because you see, the word disciple means follower. And that's what they had been to this point, right? They had been students of Jesus. They had been following Jesus wherever he went. They were disciples. But on Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit come, or when the Holy Spirit came, they would move to being apostles, which means one sent. They would be sent out to fulfill the work that Jesus had begun and to carry it on, they would become apostles. They'd make that jump from being disciples to being apostles. So he said, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And then he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, the, the phrase in the Greek there is labete pneuma hagion, receive the Holy Spirit. Labete pneuma hagion. Pneuma is the Greek word for spirit, and it means breath. So when Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit, he was preparing them for about 49 days down the road when they would be in that same upper room and the, a, a strong wind would come rushing through and tongues of fire would descend and they would, they would receive that gift of the Holy Spirit that would endue them with power to be sent out and preach the gospel to a broken and hurting world. And that breath, that wind, they would connect with Jesus breathing out on them and they would acknowledge that gift of the Holy Spirit as the very breath of God very breath of Jesus, breathing life into them, breathing the word of God into them to be breathed out. So Jesus was preparing them to receive that gift of the Holy Spirit so that they would make that connection, that when that wind came through, that was Jesus breathing out on the apostles to send them out. All right? So he, he gave them a purpose, and then when he told them, he breathed on them to receive the, the Holy Spirit, 
he was foreshadowing the power that they would receive on the day of Pentecost. And then he says something that is a little troubling. Um, he, said, he says in verse 23, he says, If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. And if you don't forgive them, they're not forgiven. Now, I know that I don't possess the power to forgive anyone of their sins. And I don't think the apostles thought that either. I don't think the apostles thought that they possessed the power because Jesus said that to them, that they possessed the power to declare to somebody that their sins are forgiven, at least on their own power. But what they did possess when Jesus said that was the power to proclaim the forgiveness that Jesus offers us. Right? And that's, and that's the same power that we have today. You know, when, when you share the gospel with somebody, when, when you tell them about the forgiveness that you've received in Jesus, when you tell them about the, the freedom that Jesus offers us from sin and, and the, the new future that Jesus has in store for us, if we would only turn from our sin and receive that new life he has to offer, that's, that's the same message that he was giving the apostles to share. And he was essentially pointing to the fact that there will be those who receive that and there will be those who do not. Um, so 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 18 through 20 says, All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ. God was repairing that relationship that had been broken through sin, not counting people's sins against them. So our sins are no longer counted against us, and he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. So God has entrusted that message of reconciliation, that message of what Jesus did on the cross, he's entrusted that to us. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. I love that word. Jesus was sending his disciples out as ambassadors of that message. So they, he was entrusting them with that message of forgiveness and saying, you're going to be filled with power to go out and share this message, and there will be those who do receive it, those who will turn from their sin and receive this gift, and there will be those who don't. And this is consistent with what we read in, in John 3.19. So earlier in the Gospel of John, and of course this follows the, the famous verse that we all know, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him will never perish but have everlasting life. Well, after that, we find John 3.19, which says, This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. That's the judgment. It's not that, that God looked on us in our sin and said, you're, you're worthy of punishment, so I must punish you now. But rather, God looked on us in love and in mercy and sent his son and offers us that forgiveness and yet, sometimes when people are confronted with that message, they still love darkness rather than light. And they don't come to the light. They say, you know what? I'd rather remain in my sin. I'm good. I'm not really interested in what you have to say about Jesus because I like my life the way it is. And for those people, those are the people that Jesus was talking about when he said that their sins would not be forgiven is the people who are confronted with the message of the gospel, are confronted with the message of grace and forgiveness, and yet they, they choose to remain in their life as it is. And so that's the same that we all 
have been given today in Jesus. All right, so when Jesus showed up to his disciples, I want you to imagine Jesus showing up to you in the midst of your fear. All right, and remember, we're talking about fear of others here because we've all felt that to some extent. That feeling of fear that you get when, when you think about speaking up about your faith, sharing your faith with another person. It's a scary thought to a lot of people, especially in 2019, right? When everybody seems to be walking on eggshells and everything is so divisive, and, and you just think, well, how could I possibly share my faith in this climate? It is a fear-inducing thing, and yet we have this story of Jesus showing up amongst his disciples and saying, peace be with you. Now I'm going to give you purpose and power to do what I have called you to do. Because you see, brothers and sisters, sisters we all share in this ministry of, of being ambassadors of Christ, of being ambassadors of this message of grace and forgiveness that has been entrusted to us by Jesus himself. And he has given us all the power we need if we would just ask him and rely on the power of the Holy Spirit to share that message We've been sent by Jesus. And we've been told that we have no reason to fear, especially what others might think or say or do when we share the gospel with them. Now, my mind turns to what I heard about uh, on Easter Sunday as soon as I got home from an amazing worship service here at Armstrong. It was such an amazing Easter Sunday. And I get home, and I don't know if you all saw it, but I, I, I saw that, uh, that news story about the attacks in Sri Lanka. Anybody catch that news story on Easter Sunday? That there were coordinated terrorist attacks. Hundreds of people on Easter morning died in places of worship because of coordinated terrorist attacks. That's persecution. But even still... I pray that our brothers and sisters in Sri Lanka were not filled with fear of others because of that, but that they're actually emboldened to know that we don't even have to fear death. We don't even have to fear death because death has been defeated in Jesus. Amen? We don't even have to fear death. So, so really, Jesus was showing up, and by proclaiming peace, he was saying, look, you don't have to fear the authorities. You don't have to fear death because I've already I've defeated both of those things through my death and resurrection. Here's my nail-scarred hands. Here's the, the wound in my side. I've overcome those things. You no longer need to fear them. So just go. Drop the fear. Quit hedging your bets and just go. And that's the same thing he tells each of us when he hands us this message of grace and forgiveness and reconciliation. He says, now go. I've given you a purpose. I've given you the power. You have all you need. Peace has been secured through me. The victory has been won. Now go. And of course, we see very tangibly that the disciples actually don't go until they, they actually receive the gift of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost. Right? Again, this is Jesus preparing them for this. You know, so it's not until they really receive that gift of the Holy Spirit that they're able to do what he has called them to do. And so I guess, church, you know, my, my message for you today is that when the fear of others enters the picture, I want you to call to mind those three things. That peace has been secured through Jesus, 
that we, we have nothing to fear, not even death itself, that he has given us a purpose and that he's given us all the power we need to fulfill that purpose if we would just ask and rely on his spirit. And those are really the, the three things that I want us to remember when we are confronted with the fear of sharing our faith. Because as followers of Jesus, we are not just called to receive the blessings that he has to offer us. We're called to share it as well in tangible ways in our day-to-day lives. You know, and, and, and this is where really the ministry of the church comes in. Because I only know so many people in this town. You know, God has only put so many people in my path, and God has put exponentially more people in your path. Relationships that you uniquely have to speak into. People that God has placed in your path for a reason because he wants you to share the message of the gospel with them in a way that's going to bring them to a knowledge of the same knowledge you've come to in Jesus Christ, of the forgiveness of your sins and the new life that Jesus has in store for you. Jesus has prepared you, placed you in a specific time and place to fulfill his purposes in the world. And that is a ministry that we share together. Amen? So it's not just, you know, you know Pastor Adam, stand, you know, you invite people to church, Pastor Adam stands up and preaches a sermon and y'all receive and whoever invited, you know, you invited to church, great. No, it's on each one of us in our day-to-day lives to share this. To go and do, because we have been given peace, purpose, and power. That's what we learn. Um, you know, I want to share with you a story about early church father John Chrysostom. Um, and his name actually comes from uh, a Greek word meaning golden-tongued. And, and uh, he was sent from Antioch uh, to what was uh, then Constantinople, where he preached uh, fearlessly. Uh, in the capital of the Eastern Roman Empire. So you talk about confronting the powers that be. John Chrysostom was doing it. Um, you know, he, he denounced uh, the lavish extravagance of the rich and ruling class in Rome, um, and he condemned the, the excess that was characteristic of the Roman Empire, and you know, just made, he made a lot of people mad um, in his life and ministry, including uh, Empress Eudocia, who arranged for John to be exiled from Rome, kicked out. Um, and so when he was told about this, right, that, hey, you've you made the wrong person mad here, uh, when he was told about this, here's how he replied. Hear these words, and just let these sink into your soul. He goes, what can I fear? Will it be death? But you know that Christ is my life, and that I shall gain by death. So I can't fear death. Should I fear exile? But the, the earth in all its fullness is the Lord's. So why should, why should I fear exile? Will it be the loss of wealth? But we brought nothing into the world and can carry nothing out. So why should I fear loss of wealth? Thus all the terrors of the world, everything I have to fear, are contemptible in my eyes, and I smile at all its good things. Poverty, I do not fear. Riches, I do not sigh for. Death, I do not shrink from. John Chrysostom looked at everything this life had to offer, and he says, I have no reason to fear, because peace has been secured in Jesus. The victory has been won. What do I have to fear? Nothing. So when it comes to the fear of others, we have a very real choice to make. Are we going to fear others? Are we going to fear the opinion of of people and what they think or feel about us? Are we going to fear God? 
Are we going to keep his command? Are we going to fulfill the commission of Jesus? Are we going to embrace the purpose and power that Jesus has handed to each of us and said, now go? That's the question that we're faced with today. I want to leave you with Proverbs 29, 25. The fear of others lays a snare, but the one who trusts in the Lord is secure. The fear of others lays a snare, but the one who trusts in the Lord is secure. So my question for you this morning is, what fear do you need Jesus to show up in your life? You know, whether it's a situation where, you know, you failed to speak up, or you compromised on your morals, or you you did something to keep the peace, you walked on eggshells because you were afraid to offend, whatever it is. Now's the time to bring it to this table this morning. Just lay it before Jesus and say, Jesus, I, I repent. I apologize for all those times that, that I've failed to, to serve you in the way that you've called me to serve you, and I dedicate my life. I rededicate my life. I ask your Holy Spirit to come into my heart and my life and do me with that purpose and power that you've endued your apostles and send me from this place to serve you. This is the place where we do that this morning. So as we come to this table, may this be the place where we find all the forgiveness we need that, that, that Jesus can, can pick you up off the ground, brush you off, and say, let's try this again. That's what we find here. And we say, okay, Jesus, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. Send me out. So let's have that in mind as we come before this table this morning. Would you bow your heads in a prayer of confession? Heavenly Father, for the times that we have failed to serve you, Lord, for uh, the the times when you tried to to call us, Lord, out of a a life of sin and into your service, and and we chose the, the life of sin instead, Lord, we pray that you forgive us. We pray that we would know that grace and that forgiveness that Jesus won for us on the cross Lord, that that we would be assured that we are forgiven of our sins, that that we have a a new start available to us in Jesus Christ if we would simply turn from our sin and seek after him. And so, Lord, we, we now turn away from that sin and recommit ourselves to seeking you as we now confess our sins before you by name in the silence of our hearts. Hear the good news, brothers and sisters. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. He appeared in that room, uninvited, didn't knock, showed up, and he assured his disciples of peace. That's how we can know in the name of Jesus we are forgiven. Amen? Amen.